Chapters 51 through 54 of Theologiae Germanica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. A. Carter. Theologiae Germanica by an anonymous author, translated by Susanna Winkworth. Chapters 51 through 54. Chapter 51. Wherefore God hath created self-will, seeing that it is so contrary to him. Now some may ask, since this tree, to wit, self-will, is so contrary to God and the eternal will, wherefore hath God created it and set it in paradise? Answer. Whatever man or creature desireth to dive into and understand the secret counsel and will of God, so that he would fain know wherefore God doeth this or doeth not that and the like, desireth the same as Adam and the devil. For this desire is seldom from aught else than that the man taketh delight in knowing and glorieth therein, and this is sheer pride. And so long as this desire lasteth, the truth will never be known, and the man is even as Adam or the devil. A truly humble and enlightened man doth not desire of God that he should reveal his secrets unto him, and ask wherefore God doeth this or that, or hindereth or alloweth such a thing, and so forth, but he desireth only to know how he may please God, and become as naught in himself, having no will, and that the eternal will may live in him, and have full possession of him, undisturbed by any other will, and how its due may be rendered to the eternal will by him and through him. However, there is yet another answer to this question, for we may say the most noble and delightful gift that is bestowed on any creature is that of perceiving or reason and will, and these two are so bound together that where the one is, there the other is also. And if it were not for these two gifts, there would be no reasonable creatures, but only brutes and brutishness, and that were a great loss, for God would never have his due and behold himself and his attributes manifested in deeds and works, the which ought to be and is necessary to perfection. Now behold, perception and reason are created and bestowed along with will, to the intent that they may instruct the will and also themselves, that neither perception nor will is of itself, nor is, nor ought to be unto itself, nor ought to seek or obey itself. Neither shall they turn themselves to their own advantage, nor make use of themselves to their own ends and purposes. For his they are from whom they do proceed, and unto him shall they submit and flow back into him, and become not in themselves, that is, in their selfishness. But here ye must consider more particularly somewhat touching the will, there is an eternal will, which is in God, a first principle and substance, apart from all works and effects. And the same will is in man, or the creature, willing certain things and bringing them to pass. For it belongeth unto the will, and is its property that it shall will something. What else is it for? For it were in vain unless it had some work to do, and this it cannot have without the creature. Therefore there must be creatures, and God will have them to the end that the will may be put in exercise by their means and work, which in God is and must be without work. 
Therefore the will in the creature, which we call a created will, is as truly God's as the eternal will, and is not of the creature. And now, since God cannot bring his will into exercise, working and causing changes without the creature, therefore it pleaseth him to do so in and with the creature. Therefore the will is not given to be exerted by the creature, but only by God, who hath a right to work out his own will by means of the will which is in man, and yet is God's. And in whatever man or creature it should be purely and wholly thus, the will would be exerted not by the man, but by God, and thus it would not be self-will, and the man would not will otherwise than as God willeth, for God himself would move the will, and not man. And thus the will would be one with the eternal will, and flow out into it, though the man would still keep his sense of liking and disliking, pleasure and pain and the like. For wherever the will is exerted, there must be a sense of liking and disliking. For if things go according to his will, the man liketh it, and if they do not, he disliketh it. And this liking and disliking are not of the man's producing, but of God's. For whatever is the source of the will is the source of these also. Now the will cometh not of man, but of God, therefore liking and disliking come from him also. But nothing is complained of, save only what is contrary to God. So also there is no joy but of God alone, and that which is his and belongeth unto him. And as it is with the will, so is it also with perception, reason, gifts, love, and all the powers of man. They are all of God and not of man. And wherever the will should be altogether surrendered to God, the rest would of a certainty be surrendered likewise, and God would have his right, and the man's will would not be his own. Behold, therefore, hath God created the will, but not that it should be self-will. Now cometh the devil, or Adam, that is to say, false nature, and taketh this will unto itself, and maketh the same its own, and useth it for itself and its own ends. And this is the mischief and wrong and the bite that Adam made in the apple, which is forbidden, because it is contrary to God. And therefore, so long as there is any self-will, there will never be true love, true peace, true rest. This we see both in man and in the devil. And there will never be true blessedness either in time or eternity where this self-will is working, that is to say, where man taketh the will unto himself, and maketh it his own. And if it be not surrendered in this present time, but carried over into eternity, it may be foreseen that it will never be surrendered, and then, of a truth, there will be no content, no rest, nor blessedness, as we may see by the devil. If there were no reason or will in the creatures, God were and must remain forever unknown, unloved, unpraised, and unhonored, and all the creatures would be worth nothing, and were of no avail to God. Behold, thus the question which was put to us is answered. And if there were any who, by my much writing, which yet is brief and profitable in God, might be led to amend their ways, this were indeed well-pleasing unto God. That which is free, none may call his own, and he who maketh it his own committeth a wrong, now in the whole realm of freedom nothing is so free as the will, and he who maketh it his own 
and suffereth it not to remain in its excellent freedom and free nobility, and in its free exercise, doeth a grievous wrong. This is what is done by the devil and Adam and all their followers. But he who leaveth the will in its noble freedom doeth right, and this doth Christ with all his followers. And whoso robbeth the will of its noble freedom, and maketh it his own, must of necessity, as his reward, be laden with cares and troubles, with discontent, disquiet, unrest, and all manner of wretchedness, and this will remain and endure, in time and in eternity. But he who leaveth the will in its freedom, hath content, peace, rest, and blessedness, in time and in eternity. Wherever there is a man in whom the will is not enslaved, but continueth noble and free, there is a true freeman not in bondage to any, one of those to whom Christ said, The truth shall make you free. And immediately after he saith, If the Son shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Furthermore, mark ye that where the will enjoyeth its freedom, it hath its proper work, that is, willing and where it chooseth whatever it will unhindered, it always chooseth in all things what is noblest and best, and all that is not noble and good it hateth, and findeth to be a grief and an offence to it. And the more free and unhindered the will is, the more is it pained by evil, injustice, iniquity, and in short all manner of wickedness and sin, and the more do they grieve and afflict it. This we see in Christ, whose will was the purest and the least fettered or brought into bondage of any man's that ever lived. So likewise was Christ's human nature the most free and single of all creatures, and yet felt the deepest grief, pain, and indignation at sin that any creature ever felt. But when men claim freedom for their own, so as to feel no sorrow or indignation at sin, and what is contrary to God, but say that we must heed nothing and care for nothing, but be in this present time as Christ was after his resurrection and the like. This is no true and divine freedom, springing from the true divine light, but a natural, unrighteous, false and deceitful freedom, springing from the natural, false and deluded light. Were there no self-will, there would be also no ownership. In heaven there is no ownership. Hence there are found content, true peace, and all blessedness, if any one there took upon him to call anything his own, he would straightway be thrust out into hell and would become an evil spirit. But in hell every one will have self-will, and therefore there is all manner of misery and wretchedness. So is it also here on earth. But if there were one in hell who should get quit of his self-will and call nothing his own, he would come out of hell into heaven. Now in this present time, man is set between heaven and hell, and may turn himself towards which he will. For the more he hath of ownership, the more he hath of hell and misery, and the less of self-will, the less of hell, and the nearer he is to the kingdom of heaven. And could a man, while on earth, be wholly quit of self-will and ownership, and stand up free and at large in God's true light, and continue therein, he would be sure of the kingdom of heaven. He who hath something, or seeketh, or longeth to have something of his own, is himself a slave, and he who hath nothing of his own, nor seeketh, nor longeth thereafter, is free, 
and at large and in bondage to none. All that hath here been said, Christ taught in words and fulfilled in works for three and thirty years, and he teacheth it to us very briefly when he saith, Follow me. But he who will follow him must forsake all things, for he renounced all things so utterly as no man else hath ever done. Moreover, he who will come after him must take up the cross, and the cross is nothing else than Christ's life, for that is a bitter cross to nature. Therefore he saith, He that taketh not his cross, and followeth after me, is not worthy of me, and cannot be my disciple. But nature, in her false freedom, weaneth she hath forsaken all things, yet she will have none of the cross, and saith she hath enough of it already, and needeth it no longer, and thus she is deceived. For had she ever tasted the cross, she would never part with it again. He that believeth on Christ must believe all that is here written. Chapter 52 How we must take those two sayings of Christ, No man cometh unto the Father but by me, and no man cometh unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Christ saith, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now mark how we must come unto the Father through Christ. The man shall set a watch over himself and all that belongeth to him within and without, and shall so direct, govern, and guard his heart as far as in him lieth, that neither will nor desire, love nor longing, opinion nor thought shall spring up in his heart, or have any abiding place in him, save such as are meet for God, and would beseem him well, if God himself were made man. And whenever he becometh aware of any thought or intent rising up within him that doth not belong to God, and were not meet for him, he must resist it, and root it out as thoroughly and as speedily as he may. By this rule he must order his outward behavior, whether he work or refrain, speak or keep silence, wake or sleep, go or stand still, in short, in all his ways and walks, whether as touching his own business or his dealings with other men, he must keep his heart with all diligence, lest he do aught or turn aside to aught, or suffer aught to spring up or dwell within him or about him, or lest anything be done in him or through him, otherwise than were meet for God, and would be possible and seemly, if God himself were verily made man. Behold, he in whom it should be thus, whatever he had within or did without, would be all of God, and the man would be in his life a follower of Christ more truly than we can understand or set forth. And he who led such a life would go in and out through Christ, for he would be a follower of Christ. Therefore also he would come with Christ and through Christ unto the Father. And he would be also a servant of Christ, for he who cometh after him is his servant, as he himself also saith, If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. And he who is thus a servant and a follower of Christ cometh to that place where Christ himself is, that is, unto the Father. As Christ himself saith, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. Behold, he who walketh in this path entereth in by the door into the sheepfold, that is, into eternal life. And to him the porter openeth. 
But he who entereth in by some other way, or vainly thinketh that he would or can come to the Father, or to the eternal blessedness, otherwise than through Christ, is deceived. For he is not in the right way, nor entereth in by the right door. Therefore to him the porter openeth not, for he is a thief and a murderer, as Christ saith. Now behold and mark whether one can be in the right way, and enter in by the right door, if one be living in lawless freedom, or license, or disregard of ordinances, virtue or vice, order or disorder, and the like. Such liberty we do not find in Christ, neither is it in any of his true followers. Chapter 53 Considereth that other saying of Christ, No man can come unto me, except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Christ hath also said, no man cometh unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Now mark, by the Father I understand the perfect simple good, which is all and above all, and without which and besides which there is no true substance, nor true good, and without which no good work ever was or will be done. And in that it is all, it must be in all and above all and it cannot be any one of those things which the creatures, as creatures, can comprehend or understand. For whatever the creature, as creature, that is, in her creature kind, can conceive of and understand, is something, this or that, and therefore is some sort of creature. And now if the simple perfect good were somewhat, this or that, which the creature understandeth, it would not be the all, nor the only one, and therefore not perfect. Therefore also it cannot be named, seeing that it is none of all the things which the creature as creature can comprehend, know, conceive, or name. Now behold, when this perfect good, which is unnameable, floweth into a person able to bring forth and bringeth forth the only begotten Son in that person and itself in him, we call it the Father. Now mark how the Father draweth men unto Christ. When somewhat of this perfect good is discovered and revealed within the soul of man, as it were in a glance or flash, the soul conceiveth a longing to approach unto the perfect goodness, and unite herself with the Father. And the stronger this yearning groweth, the more is revealed unto her, and the more is revealed unto her, the more is she drawn toward the Father, and her desire quickened. Thus is the soul drawn and quickened into a union with the eternal goodness, and this is the drawing of the Father, and thus the soul is taught of him who draweth her unto himself, that she cannot enter into a union with him except she come unto him by the life of Christ. Behold, now she putteth on that life of which I have spoken afore. Now see the meaning of these two sayings of Christ's. The one, No man cometh unto the Father but by me, that is, through my life, as hath been set forth. The other saying, No man cometh unto me, except the Father draw him. That is, he doth not take my life upon him, and come after me, except he be moved and drawn of my Father. That is, of the simple and perfect good, of which St. Paul saith, When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. That is to say, in whatever soul this perfect good is known, felt, and tasted, so far as may be in this present time, to that soul all created things are as naught compared with this perfect one, and in truth they are, 
for beside or without the perfect one is neither true good nor true substance. Wheresoever then hath or knoweth or loveth the perfect one, hath and knoweth all goodness. What more then doth he want, or what is all that is in part to him, seeing that all the parts are united in the perfect in one substance? What hath here been said concerneth the outward life, and is a good way or access unto the true inward life, but the inward life beginneth after this. When a man hath tasted that which is perfect as far as is possible in this present time, all created things, and even himself, become as naught to him. And when he perceiveth of a truth that the perfect one is all and above all, he needs must follow after him, and ascribe all that is good, such as substance, life, knowledge, reason, power, and the like, unto him alone and to no creature. And hence followeth that the man claimeth for his own neither substance, life, knowledge, nor power, doing nor refraining, nor anything that we can call good. And thus the man becometh so poor that he is not in himself, and so are also all things unto him, which are somewhat, that is, all created things. And then there beginneth in him a true inward life, wherein from henceforward God himself dwelleth in the man, so that nothing is left in him but what is God's or of God, and nothing is left which taketh anything unto itself. And thus God himself, that is, the one eternal perfectness, alone is, liveth, knoweth, worketh, loveth, willeth, doeth, and refraineth in the man. And thus of a truth it should be, and where it is not so, the man hath yet far to travel, and things are not altogether right with him. Furthermore, it is a good way and access unto this life to feel always that what is best is dearest, and always to prefer the best, and cleave to it, and unite oneself to it. First, in the creatures. But what is best in the creatures? Be assured, that in which the eternal perfect goodness, and what is thereof, that is, all which belongeth thereunto, most brightly shineth, and worketh, and is best known and loved. But what is that which is of God, and belongeth unto him? I answer, whatever with justice and truth we do, or might call good. When therefore among the creatures the man cleaveth to that which is the best that he can perceive, and keepeth steadfastly to that in singleness of heart, he cometh afterward to what is better and better, until at last he findeth and tasteth that the eternal good is a perfect good, without measure and number above all created good. Now if what is best is to be dearest to us, and we are to follow after it, the one eternal good must be loved above all and alone, and we must cleave to him alone, and unite ourselves with him as closely as we may. And now, if we are to ascribe all goodness to the one eternal good, and of right and truth we ought, so must we also of right and truth ascribe unto him the beginning, middle, and end of our course, so that nothing remain to man or the creature. So it should be of a truth, let man say what they will. Now, on this wise, we should attain unto a true inward life. And what then further would happen to the soul, or would be revealed unto her, and what her life would be henceforward, none can declare or guess. For it is that which hath never been uttered by man's lips, nor hath it entered into the heart of man to conceive.
In this, our long discourse, are briefly comprehended those things which ought of right and truth to be fulfilled, to wit, that man should claim nothing for his own, nor crave, will, love, or intend anything but God alone, at what is like unto him, that is to say, the one eternal, perfect goodness. But if it be not thus with a man, and he take, will, purpose, or crave, somewhat for himself, this or that, whatever it may be, beside or other than the eternal and perfect goodness, which is God himself. This is all too much, and a great injury, and hindereth the man from a perfect life. Wherefore, he can never reach the perfect good, unless he first forsake all things, and himself first of all. For no man can serve two masters, who are contrary the one to the other. He who will have the one must let the other go. Therefore, if the Creator shall enter in, the creature must depart. Of this be assured. Chapter 54 How a man shall not seek his own, either in things spiritual or natural, but the honor of God only, and how he must enter in by the right door, to wit, by Christ, into eternal life. If a man may attain thereunto, to be unto God as his hand is to a man, let him be therewith content, and not seek further. This is my faithful counsel, and here I take my stand. That is to say, let him strive and wrestle with all his might to obey God and his commandments so thoroughly at all times and in all things, that in him there be nothing spiritual or natural which opposeth God and that his whole soul and body with all their members may stand ready and willing for that to which God hath created them, as ready and willing as his hand is to a man, which is so holy in his power, that in the twinkling of an eye he moveth and turneth it whither he will. And when we find it otherwise with us, we must give our whole diligence to amend our state, and this from love and not from fear, and in all things whatsoever, seek and intend the glory and praise of God alone. We must not seek our own, either in things spiritual or in things natural. It must needs be thus, if it is to stand well with us. And every creature oweth this of right and truth unto God, and especially man, to whom by the ordinance of God all creatures are made subject, and are servants that he may be subject to and serve God only. Further, when a man hath come so far, and climbed so high, that he thinketh and weaneth he standeth sure, let him beware, lest the devil strew ashes and his own bad seed on his heart, and nature seek and take her own comfort, rest, peace, and delight in the prosperity of his soul, and he fall into a foolish, lawless freedom and licentiousness, which is altogether alien to, and at war with, a true life in God. And this will happen to that man who hath not entered, or refuseth to enter in by the right way and the right door, which is Christ, as we have said, and imagineth that he would or could come by any other way to the highest truth. He may perhaps dream that he hath attained thereunto, but verily he is in error. And our witness is Christ, who declareth, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. A thief, for he robbed God of his honor and glory, 
which belong to God alone. He taketh them unto himself, and seeketh and purposeth himself. A murderer, for he slayeth his own soul, and taketh away her life, which is God. For as the body liveth by the soul, even so the soul liveth by God. Moreover, he murdereth all those who follow him by his doctrine and example. For Christ saith, I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. And again, why call ye me Lord, Lord, as if he would say, It will avail you nothing to eternal life? And again, not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. But he saith also, If thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And what are the commandments? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. And in these two commandments all others are briefly comprehended. There is nothing more precious to God or more profitable to man than humble obedience. In his eyes one good work wrought from true obedience is of more value than a hundred thousand wrought from self-will contrary to obedience. Therefore he who hath this obedience need not dread him, for such a man is in the right way and following after Christ that we may thus deny ourselves and forsake and renounce all things for God's sake, and give up our own wills, and die unto ourselves, and live unto God alone and to his will. May he help us who gave up his will to his heavenly Father, Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom be blessing for ever and ever. Amen. The End End of chapters 51 through 54 Recording by J. A. Carter, www.afewparagraphs.com End of Theologia Germanica by an anonymous author Translated by Susanna Winkworth